0: Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning, to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to Waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has experienced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On today's Identify and Heal solo episode, I'm diving in to a big topic, really a big buzzword right now and for a while now, the concept of codependency. What is it really? Is it overused? Are we even really connected with the fundamental idea of it and how often we see it on social media and various platforms? What is the difference between healthy dependence and codependency? How does it show up in our lives and how Do we break free from it? So take a listen and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Whitney here with an Identify and Heal solo episode. And as promised on last week's episode, this one is all about codependency. So this is an episode that I've had on my list for a long time. I keep a list of different topics that I want to discuss on my solo episodes And it's one of the bigger ones that I've kind of avoided because it is a big one, right? It it has a lot to it. There's a lot to say about codependency. It's been a pretty big buzzword for a while now. And it's very prevalent in a lot of people's lives. It's very multifaceted. It's fairly complex. But I'm going for it. I'm tackling it this week. I hope it's helpful. I'm going to give some views around codependency. Give some background understanding around what it is, its origins, and how you might identify it in your life, and how you can begin to reduce and break free from codependency, which is a common term in a lot of my titles. You'll see the word codependency a lot in my titles because it's a big part of the work that I do because I'm trying to help people to experience sovereignty. And the idea of sovereignty is that we're not. Emotionally dependent on others, that we're not dependent on others to decide how we think and feel and what we believe. This goes back to what I talked to you last week about finding your truth, discovering your truth, honoring your truth. When you don't know the truth about yourself, when you don't take the time to get to know yourself and develop your own understandings and beliefs and sense of yourself, you're going to need to attach to another person to feel like you have a sense of self, to feel like you know how to occupy your time and your thoughts, this is codependency. And this is why I want to inspire and encourage others to reconnect with yourself, to develop that sense of self, and then a sense of confidence and a self sense of self-love and self-acceptance because the more we do that, we create our own home within When we don't feel that we have a home within, we're going to run around all around outside to different people and places and things to try to get that sense of belonging and home and safety. Yet, when we try to create that outside of ourselves, we become dependent on things outside of ourselves, which leads to this term codependency, which means a dependence on another person to receive something, to get something, to maintain a certain state within ourselves. So it's basically like we're going around knocking on other people's doors for that cup of sugar that we feel we can't achieve or obtain ourselves, that we don't have it. There's a quote that I like that pertains to what I just said. Kind of highlights this notion of what's going on with codependency. The more you depend on forces outside yourself, the more you are dominated by them. This is by a man named Harold Shimon. So this is the idea. When we decide that we're going to rely on other people to give us what we need, we create a codependent connection. Now, the question that helps shed light and understanding on, okay, well, how is codependency different than a dependency, right? So this is where it can make it clear. So to pull it back first, this is going to help to give this definition. The term codependency was created originally based on people who were involved had a partner who was struggling with addiction or alcoholism. It's rooted in substance abuse and addiction. There is a wonderful author, PM. Melody, who wrote a book, Facing Codependency. That's where that term was coined because they begin to notice as they were working with families of addicts that there was something going on, that they were pointing their fingers at the addict as if they were the problem, but there was, there was a whole thing going on. And they realized, and they will tell, say this, that alcoholism is a family disease. It's not just the individual It's patterns and behaviors and reliance and emotional dysregulation and emotional dependency that's created within a family that drives somebody to feel that they are not able to tend to their own needs to regulate their own emotions. So they will often turn to substance. And then because that that person has this addiction that seems to really stand out, right? Oh, that person's the problem. They're really messed up. Well... The whole family is a part of this. Yes, that one person has turned to drugs to alleviate the stress, the discomfort of the family dynamic, the family challenges, the trauma that's been incurred, the experiences incurred, the stress, yet it's a family disease. Everybody's involved. And they identified codependency specifically because they realized that with any family with an addict, somebody was enabling them that somebody was getting tied into their cycle of addiction. They got to come to the rescue. They got to be the savior. So when that person was bottoming out, they were having a really hard time, they would go, they would comfort them, they would nurture them back to health, and then the addict would go back to the drugs. And the person keeps walking them through this cycle, and that can create codependency. So when somebody is gets completely wrapped up in somebody else's disease or disorder, they are becoming accustomed to attending to another's emotional state, emotional well-being above their own. I'm sure many of you have met people like this. There's many terms. There's people pleasers, right? That idea that you're thinking more about, oh, I just I want this person to like me. I want to make sure that they think highly of me. I want to make sure that I... Um, taking care of them, attending to them, and sort of leaving ourselves behind. And that the extreme example is seen with a partnership or a family where there's an addict or there's alcoholism present. So that's why that term was coined. Because they realized any, next to any addict is someone who's codependent, someone who's become attached to, att- to attending to them. So that brings us back. Now that I brought to light the origins of codependency, it's rooted in addiction, substance abuse. If you think about it, the difference between codependency and dependency. So being dependent on somebody is not inherently unhealthy, right? Dependent is more the idea that we are getting something that we cannot have for ourselves for a legitimate reason. So if you are in a partnership... And you could say that you really depend on your partner for support, for their kindness, for their them to comfort you at times. These are things that are a natural part of a relationship. We can learn and we can, to a certain degree, comfort ourselves, support ourselves. But when we're in a loving union with somebody, it's natural to depend on somebody, Right? I mean, think about the phrase, it's so wonderful that I can really depend on you. That's not unreasonable if it's within normal parameters, right? I can depend on you for to be there for me when I'm having a hard day. I can depend on you to show up when you say you're going to. I can depend on you to take care of your part of the household chores or helping with the kids. Do you see that? It's, it's, an, it's normal to depend on people in our life for certain things. That's okay. When people become hyper... It, independent, then they try to not have to depend on anybody and do, try to do everything themselves. That becomes dysfunctional. That becomes unhealthy. And that's sort of the extreme opposite of someone who's codependent, right? You become hyper-independent, which is just like codependency, a bit of a trauma response, right? When people become codependent, it's often because they don't know they feel very detached from themselves. They don't feel connected or able to attend to their emotional bodies. When somebody is hyper independent, it's because they've learned that they can't rely on other people, that they don't know that anybody else will help them. So they decide, I can do it myself. I can do everything myself. I don't need anybody. Now, I don't know if, if you all listened to my episode about attachment styles, but this might sound pretty familiar. The anxious versus avoidant right the anxious person is going to be constantly trying to connect with and is always worried that their partner might leave them and wants to be close to them and wants to constantly connect with them where the avoidant is going to be on the ready all the time to say oh no no i don't i need i need space i need i can i'm doing this myself i don't need you if there's any big problem i'm out that's kind of the Illustrating codependency, you could call it an anxiously attached person is codependent because they feel like they don't know how to manage or sit with their emotions on their own. So, back to the analogy of substance use, which is that you can think of codependency as different from dependence because dependency is I'm using I'm going to use like um vitamins and chemicals in the body as an example. So just just roll with me on this. I think it'll come through clear. Humans naturally produce vitamin D in their skin. However, a lot of humans don't produce enough because they don't have enough exposure to sunlight in some places in the world all year round, in other places, especially during the winter. So it can be helpful to take a supplement. So you can depend on getting the vitamin D that you need through that supplement. Do you understand how that makes sense? You're using something because you're naturally not producing enough of it yourself. So you say, hey, I need a little bit of help with this. Natural, normal, healthy levels of dependency. Codependency can be related to somebody who is wanting more of a chemical in their body that they are already producing enough of. So let's say that when when someone, and I'll speak for myself because I struggle with addiction. So our body produces serotonin and dopamine. When we start using and abusing alcohol and drugs it throws off the balance because when we don't introduce these drugs, we are producing them at a normal level. When we use these drugs, and of course this goes beyond just substances, right? Our body produces more dopamine when we are addicted to gambling or love or any other number (laughs) of addictions. sex, right? Things that give us that dopamine fix, right? The serotonin fix gives us that high. So even though... We can produce these and work with the amount that we have naturally when we start getting able to, be, when we start finding things that help us produce more, we get more used to that heightened state. So although we produce it naturally, we start seeking it out externally and saying, I want I want to use that. I want to use that. And so then we become dependent on something that we, although we have it naturally, we don't know. We don't know how to be with that. We don't know how to work with that. We want something external to get that. Because we start getting used to getting more of it, to getting it when we want it, and to having it as a soothing thing. This can be seen in the lens of codependency, where we all have emotions. We all have emotions, we all have feelings. It's a part of the human experience. When people develop codependency, they're starting to avoid their feelings they detaching from the core that I often speak of, right? A healthy individual learns to respect themselves, to know their truth, to treat themselves kindly, to have self-esteem, self-confidence, to accept themselves as they are. When these things diminish, when we lose a sense of self, when we lose a sense of the ability to respect ourselves, to trust ourselves, to know our truth, to know how we feel about things, we want to avoid ourselves. We don't want to be with ourselves and sit with ourselves and invest in ourselves. So we start busy in ourselves and occupying ourselves with others and getting tied into their emotional experiences because we don't want to be with ours. So then we begin to put our time and focus into relationships, friendships, into work, And I'm sure you've heard people say, maybe you've experienced it, that codependency can be seen in work relationships, in friendships, in people with their children, in people with their partners. It's all across the board. It's any time that someone is getting more involved in someone else's emotional well-being, emotional state than their own. And it can be at the detriment of their own emotional health and well-being. And the problem with developing codependency is akin to developing a drug addiction. It's that, sure, it's fine when you get it, but what do you do when you are basically hooked on that and you can't get it, right? So if somebody is in a codependent relationship, when their partner is not available or if they should break up, that person can completely spiral because they have no idea how to emotionally regulate, how to be with themselves alone how to sit with their emotions, how to manage their emotions, and they will often immediately find somebody else to attach to, to connect with, to feel tied in again, to feel a sense of stability and safety through someone else. I often use the example because I, I bring this up a lot with my clients I work with because codependency is prevalent throughout our society, throughout many of our lives and relationships because As I speak to a lot in the show, we're not given strong messages throughout our lives that, hey, you, just as you are, is okay. Learn to get to know who you are. Learn to love who you are just as you are. Learn to embrace yourself. Learn to develop a relationship with yourself, a sense of trust, a sense of love, a sense of acceptance. Get to know your own beliefs, your own truth. We're not really told that. We're told a lot about externals. We're told a lot about things we need to be afraid of not getting, about things that we should be afraid of having happen to us. We're not really encouraged to be self-sufficient. And again, we want to be mindful of not being hyper-independent where we say, I don't need anybody, but it's all about balance, right? We don't want to push everybody away, but we don't want to be completely attached to somebody else either so that we feel like we can't function on our own. And again, that brings us back to the essence of codependency. Your emotional well-being is tied to another person. Your emotional stability is tied to another person. Codependency can be described as feeling that you need to be loved and accepted by somebody else in order to love and accept yourself. You feel like you cannot do it on your own. You feel like you cannot say, I'm in love with this person. I love sharing my life with them, but if we break up and we go our separate ways because it wasn't working and I didn't feel respected, honored, treated well, then I know it's for the best and I'm going to always do what's the best for me. A codependent person can't comprehend that idea. They would say, no, I, I can't, I don't want to live without them. I'd rather endure poor treatment than be without them because it's how I've learned to exist, to manage To have a sense of stability and security, even though it's an unhealthy security, because again, just like drugs, you're obtaining that security through false means. It's ephemeral. You can't rely on it. What if that person leaves? What if that person, what if you and your partner have a huge blow up and then you're just left in a puddle feeling helpless and scared because you've learned to not know how to function without them? Now, of course, it varies in degrees. This is the more extreme example of codependency in an unhealthy partnership. If you're looking at it in like the, the parent-child dynamic with addiction, it's somebody who really has tied their identity to being the savior for their child, keeping them alive, keeping them going. They've lost touch with their own needs, with their own emotional cycles and experiences because they're so consumed by that. And again, it all comes back to taking our power back. The more that humans learn that we, number one thing we need to do is to learn to love and connect with ourselves because codependency doesn't help anybody. It just creates two people in a disempowered state where they're completely reliant on one another. Because the addict also becomes dependent on the codependent person. So, codependency, of course, co, it's shared. It's two people <laughs> dependent on one another. There's never just one sided. It's like I speak of often, like I talked about in toxic relationships, it's never, it takes two to tango, right? Co, codependency. Co is the word that we use to describe more than one, two. It's shared. It's shared. That dependency is shared between two people. Two people are feeling dependent on the other. That's why, again, dependence can be a healthy thing because it's just you. It's just a one-way thing. I am dependent. I can – or let's use the term depend sounds better, right? I depend on my husband for his moral support, for helping me raise my children, for his financial contributions. Because again, it in, insinuates and expresses that it's something that you cannot do on your own naturally. Like I was talking about like the vitamin D, that's different from codependency. Because the reality is that you can navigate your emotions and sit with and regulate your emotions. In fact, you're the only one who can do that. Yet so many of us learn to be terrified of sitting with our emotions, that we create unhealthy means of getting through them, of avoiding them. It can be through drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, on and on and on, love addiction. Any ways to avoid or to soothe our feelings rather than le- learning to be the master of our emotions, to make friends with our emotions, to not be scared of them, but know that it's our personal responsibility as a human to work with them. That's what we came here for. Feelings are not scary. It's our soul. Feelings are our soul expressed, the divine coming through us. That's what it is. Yet that is a big thing. And most of us are really terrified of the big concept, right? The big universal truth of why are we here? What are we? Our emotions are a harsh reminder of that, of hello, there's something deep in here. There's something big within you. And we don't want to see it. And we don't want to sit with emotions. We don't want to feel the, the whole spectrum of emotions, right? Yeah, we can probably deal with happiness. But many of us do not know how to sit with loneliness or sadness. It can be feel so big like it's going to swallow us whole. And so we run as fast as we can to somebody else who's going to make it feel a little bit better, who's going to help us escape from it or forget about it for a while. But then we make a habit of that. And then we learn that we can only survive if somebody else can get us through these scary feelings, and that's codependency. And it can really run deep. It almost becomes its own life force, you know. Like it's it's this growth, it's this connection that happens between two people, and it and it gets very strong. So you, it can be hard to just cut it off at the neck, right? you got to gently work with somebody and the person has to be wa- open to working on releasing codependency. And I speak about it in a lot of my episodes because yes, it can be the extreme, which is what I'm talking about, which is, you know, again, parent-child with addiction, really unhealthy relationships, um, someone who has a work addiction that's really has codependency with their coworkers and all that stuff that's the more extreme examples, but you can find it in other little ways in your life, right? And another thing that I speak of is that codependency can also be seen. And you know, it's, you could also use the word, the word reliant for this, but it is a bit of codependency when you feel like you depend on other people to, to give you your sense of worth and value, right? It's not the same of having an sort of like an exchange. It's not like you're you're in a relationship there's not a friendship in place. There's not, I mean, it might be, it could be like your friends giving you compliments, but when you walk around the world and because this is how I've lived most of my life, it's less so now, very heightened in my twenties. And I think it's this case for a lot of people where I would walk around and if it felt like people weren't noticing me, I felt terrible. And I thought, oh gosh, I must look awful, awful. Oh, gosh, she sucks. Nobody seems to be noticing me. They're, oh, look, everybody's looking at that girl. She must be better that she's, why can't I be like that girl? These are the thoughts that would go through my head. And so a day like that would just do me under. Now, that is a sense of codependency because the ideal is that you know your true value, right? And that's why I do the work that I do, and that's the pit that I had to climb out of in my life was I realized one day I was like, God damn, like I am in this hole where, Unless somebody tells me I'm pretty enough, that I'm good enough, that I'm worthy, that I'm interesting, that I'm desirable, I, then I, I just fall into this pit. And that's when I realized I was like, well, what, what do I, Don't I have any tools? <laughs> don't I have anything? Do I really need to keep asking everybody else to lift me up, to validate me? That was this revelation I had, as I've spoken to before, where I started gathering all these quotes and, you know, going to to spiritual bookstores and where I was like, there's got to be something in me I'm because I got so tired. It's exhausting to depend on things outside of yourself, to feel good about yourself. And that is a form of codependency because you're saying, I can't feel good. I can't feel a sense of worth and value and love for myself unless somebody else gives me a reason to, unless they say that I'm impressive or attractive or desirable or on and on, right? Everybody has their different Pick your poison, right? We all have that different weakness where we just want to be perceived a certain way. And when we rely on other people to create that sp- that for us, just like that quote I said, the more you depend on forces outside yourself, the more you are dominated by them. And that's how I've spent most of my life, feeling so dominated. I was at the whim of how people responded to me every single day. I was such a wreck when I used to go out bar hopping. I was obviously, you know, I had to get sober. I drank a lot. And I would go out and be in a great mood after those first few drinks, and then somebody would say the wrong thing, or a guy would blow me off that I tried to talk to, and I would spiral and end up crying in the bathroom and saying, I knew it, I'm gross, I'm awful, I should just, I had dark thoughts. We'll say that, right? I would say, I I should just not be here. Why am I even here? I don't even matter. I'm so much less than everybody else. Because I did not know how to find those reserves within me. So I tried to get it from other people. And I was codependent on the general population (laughs) to supply me with love for myself. And that's why I just, it just cemented this idea. I mean, of course I didn't invent it, (laughs) but it just made that light bulb come out of, gosh, what a different world it would be if we, in the core of our being, knew so strongly how powerful we are, how amazing we are, that we don't need anything from anybody else. It's all right inside of us. And I always say that, yes, compliments are wonderful. It doesn't mean being like, oh, I don't need anybody. And I don't care if anybody says anything nice to me ever. It's icing on the cake, right? When you know your value, you have that core sense of self and love and respect. And if somebody else says, you know what, I really love what you do. What you say is really inspiring. And I appreciate it. You can just say, oh, wow, thanks. But it doesn't determine whether or not you love yourself that day or whether you're good enough. And yes, we all have bad days, right? I still have days sometimes where I'm like, man, oh, like, I feel like I'm not getting where I thought I wanted to get. And I feel like I'm not this, you know, isn't getting the response that I hoped it would. And, and I dip into it a little, but I don't feel the bottoming out that I used to. Things change by degrees. We heal by degrees. Codependency is alleviated by degrees. There's another quote I love, (laughs) and I'm all about the quotes. You know this. I think I've already shared this one, but it's worth sharing again. It's by Shakespeare. How poor are they that have no patience? What wound did ever heal by degrees? Our tendencies have been repeated over and over and over again. The ruts have been run deep so as we start to build up our confidence and our self-love and see the amazing, remarkable, brilliant, radiant being that we are, those ruts will slowly lift up, up, up until we start to notice, I'm not, I don't need things the way that I used to. I don't feel as dependent on other people's responses and actions towards me. I don't feel like I need to get, get myself all tied up in someone else's drama and life and emotional states in order to feel good. I don't feel worried as much about whether other people like me. I don't feel like I need to go out of my way to make sure somebody has a good impression of me, right? I'm alluding to people pleasing, of course, right? One more beautiful quote that when I read it, it really, again, smacked me in the face, recognizing that I needed to be kind and patient and compassionate with myself when I realized I wanted to change and shift the way that I existed and experienced life. Habit is habit, and not to be flung out of the window by any man, but coaxed downstairs one step at a time. It's by Mark Twain. I love that because it's that idea of, oh, okay, I have this thing that I do. I have this way of being, and I'm realizing now I don't think I want to do it anymore. But I've done it for a long time, so I've climbed this whole staircase to the top of this mountain. But I'm ready to come back down, but I'm not going to jump off, <laughs> right? I'm not going to jump out the window, <laughs> try to get back to the bottom. You just go back down one step at a time, one gentle step at a time. And you know, these, these episodes are called identify and heal for a reason. Cause the first step is you first have to identify it. You say, Oh, I have this habit of thinking more about other people than myself, of being more concerned about other people's feelings about me than my own feelings about me of trying to avoid my feelings by getting caught up in other people's lives. That was something that I did too. When I was younger, I had such a self- sense, low sense of self and self-esteem that I was more comfortable being close to people that I wanted to be like. I didn't even realize I did it. I thought it was just people I had made friends with, but I would tend to gravitate towards women towards friends who had what I wanted. They were beautiful. They got a lot of attention from men. They always had boyfriends. I never had any of those things. And so I would, you know, it was almost like trying to buy association, right? Well, maybe if I'm close to them, I'll be more like them or I'll be seen like them even though I'm not like them. And one day I realized, I thought, you know, I'm so involved in these people's lives. I was completely go-dependent completely codependent with these with these friends I made. All I wanted to do was attend to them. I would listen to them. They had all these dramas from all their boyfriends and relationships, and I would just get involved in it, almost like the little secretary of their lives, <laughs> listening to their problems and sometimes talking to their boyfriends and all these things, you know? Like just – it was like I almost didn't really even think I was a whole person. I was like this half person maybe, like this semi-person, but I would look at them and be like, that's a real person. And I'm not that because I'm not beautiful and desirable and people don't see me. I felt very invisible most of my life, very unseen. Or worse than that, I, I felt like a, a mutant. People treated me like I was, you know, so horrible to look at and to know because people told me I was annoying and ugly. So I just developed this sense of, wow, I'm I'm not really a real person. So I don't know what to do <laughs> because I still exist. So I guess I'll just associate with real people, people who are like a full worthy person because I felt so unworthy. And so that, my friends, (laughs) is full-fledged codependency where you just don't even know how to honor yourself as a sacred being, as a sacred vessel and a sacred soul, and just as much worthy of a life, a wonderful, full life as anybody else. And I just did not know that for a long time until I'd hit bottom and realized I cannot live this way because I'll end my life. That's how miserable it is. And that's why it's important to identify codependency because it can get that bad. Right? Again, when you're dependent on forces outside of yourself, you're dominated by them. So you start to realize, gosh, like my life feels so unkiltered, right? It feels, there's such a lack of peace in my life because it's always tied to this other person's needs or emotional turmoil and I I don't even know my own when we don't know our own needs and emotions we're a stranger in our own home right It's silly but I remember when I was kind of going through this time in my life in my 20s that song the Puff Diddy song that was um coming home I'm coming home I'm coming home anyways, it basically says it's time he says something and they said it's time to make your house your home or something like that and it just hit me and I was like I need to be at home with myself. I need to stop knocking on everyone else's doors, asking them, "Hey, can I come in into your life?" because I don't know how to have my own life. I don't think I'm a full person. So I need to come into your life and I'll do all the chores and I'll take care of everything and I'll, I'll only like att- like think about you and help you with your things and don't worry, I don't I don't have any needs. <laughs> That's basically what sometimes people say when they're on that end of the codependent spectrum. We don't know how to be a, a – that was the quote. I'm a guest in my own home. It's time to make my house a home from that song. And I realized, I said, I need to let go of that and figure out who am I? Who's Whitney? What is she capable of? Because I knew I was pretty cool. I was like, you're. I don't think you're that bad. You're, you're, you are really determined and – you know what I mean? Like I was trying to look at my assets. I've spoken to that in this show. There comes a time in our life, we have to sit down with a pen and paper and we have to say, who the fuck am I? And what do I got going for myself? Because we all deserve that. We all have so much going for us, but we often discredit it or don't think about it because we're so focused on what everybody else has and what they're doing that feels so much grander and greater than we could ever have. But it's just not true. Anybody who admi- who you admire or look at only got to where they are because they believed in themselves, because they saw what they have, and they said, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to push it. I'm going to believe in it, and I'm going to work hard to bring these gifts to the highest light possible, right? I often think about that, like... Even someone like Beyonce could still be playing gigs at the mall if she didn't believe so strongly in herself. I mean, of course, she's wildly talented and she caught the eye of a lot of people. <laughs> but but it takes, you know, at a certain point, like it takes that extra grit and self-determination and self-confidence and belief. You can't go the distance that she's gone or other performers have gone or other great legends have gone unless you really believe in yourself and you know your talents and gifts. And that starts by being making your house a home, making yourself a home, sitting with yourself and saying, who am I? Because we've, we've made a world that definitely celebrates codependency in terms of saying, Hey, this is what you need to be happy. This is what you need. Just take this, just do this so you can get rid of that feeling. So you can avoid this, go out to the bar and drink. I'm not knocking it. i I don't, have any problem with people drinking. But when you start using it and abusing it as a way to regulate yourself, you lose touch with your own feelings. You start to doubt that you can manage your feelings and you can. I know they're scary. I know they can feel hard and feel really big, but we are capable of it. It's what we came here for, to learn how to walk through that. So I offer this with the greatest amount of Empathy and understanding, because as I've shared, I've walked through it and I still walk through it. I have some days where, man, <laughs> I feel like, wait, what, Where, where is that strength that I have? What? It feels like it went out the window, but then I wake up again and I have a good day and I remember, yes. And you know, I really do try now when I'm realizing that I'm being a bit in my codependent element where I'm looking for other people to assure me or to rely on. And I say, okay, what can I do to feel returned to myself, right? That's a phrase that I love, I love. Return to yourself. I often, when I speak to my experience in addiction, I call it the long walk back to yourself when you decide to get sober. Because again, just like codependency, addiction, you just wander far away from yourself. You abandon yourself. And abandoning yourself is a devastating thing. Because then your soul is just kind of sitting there saying, okay, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess we're uh, not making many strides in this lifetime, are we? Because we're not working together. (laughs) You know, we want to be in union with our soul. We want to be connected with our radiance and brilliance, as I often speak of, which you have, you, my lovely, beautiful listener, whoever you are, whatever you're doing right in this moment, think of something that's amazing about you. Think about that thing that you love about yourself and keep that at your core we all have a center point to come back to. That's why I encourage people to think about that, their core selves. The part of you where you're like, like, hell yeah, I am this, I am that, I am incredible, I am strong, I am a survivor, I am a determined woman, I am a strong woman, I'm a creative woman, I know who I am. And nothing can change that. Think of that as your core. And so we might drift away from it get caught up in people-pleasing or being dependent on other people's confirmation, affirmations, validation. Too much time on social media, right? We've all had those days where we just woo, just spin out <laughs> on social media and we're like, what? We need to like shake ugh, shake it out. Be like, okay, I just got sucked into a wormhole of reels looking at how smart everyone else seems to be. I need to get back to me. I need to think about my strengths and not look at what everyone else is doing that core. Mm. Strengthen that core, that core sense of self, that core sense of self-esteem, that core sense of confidence, because you are fucking awesome. You are. And the more of us that know that about ourselves, our world changes. Because when we really know who we are and we truly love ourselves, we stop playing this game that we're playing now, which is that right now, having that confidence more so means like push, 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 and we, we can't help it, even if we say we don't, most of us still have this mentality of better than, right? Not the best that I can be, the strongest me so I can shine and be with my fellow women and humans that I love. There's still a lot of that messaging of push, push, be the best. And that means that somebody else has to be below you. And for somebody else to be below, that means sometimes we're going to be the one that's below and we keep playing this game, right? This zero-sum game of, you know, we have to push and compete. We want to start collaborating with others rather than competing with them because you can do something that I can't do. So let's work together. I can learn to rely on you. Let's become a team and I can depend on you for this and you can depend on me for this. And we both know that we can are self-reliant on our own, but together we are a huge force that we could not be alone. And that's the idea here. When we, when you're codependent, you're sucking each other dry. <laughs> you know, if you've been in a codependent relationship, you know what I'm talking about. If you've had my experience, we walk around the world and ask everybody else to validate you. You're just sucking yourself dry. You're being drained because you're asking everybody else to prove your worth or show your worth. And you, it's like you're, it's, you're not plugged in directly. You're just trying to catch it, catch it when you can, which is not sustainable. But when we can do that on our own, when we can know our value and feel full and strong on our own and can pair up with other humans, that's when the world changes and we can make huge strides and we can see way more healthy relationships, dynamics, it's going to be great. It's going to be beautiful. We're getting there slowly, but surely because we are realizing, I think more people are having the realization I had in my twenties that was, God, this is no way to live. This is miserable. I remember I was out with a friend one time and she saw me in a meltdown and she was like, what's going on with you? And I was like, well, like I tried to talk to that guy and I knew it, like he's not interested because like they never are. And I was, you know, I was stuck in that victim mentality which I also did an episode on, and she was like, you know, why do you care what other people think? Like, don't you know who you are? Like, don't you know that they're like, well, I, you know, I like to get, you know, talk to guys sometimes, but if they don't like me, that's fine. Because I know that my value isn't based on that. And I looked at her like she was crazy. <laughs> I was like, really? Do you? And she said, she said, needing other people, needing other people's approval is a living hell. And I looked at it and I, I, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's it. This is a living hell to walk around my life feeling like people need to do or say certain things so that I can feel okay. It's a living hell to be dependent on forces outside of yourself, to feel okay within yourself. It's like you're out in the storm your whole life. We want to take shelter from the storm within, and we can only truly find shelter from the storm within. That's another great analogy. If you think about codependency as like being out in the storm and racing from one, some like different houses, one house to the next, knocking on the door saying, will you take me in? Will you take me in? Will you give me shelter? And they might take you in for a moment, but they can kick you back out at any time. But if you make yourself your home, your personal shelter, your personal sacred sanctuary, then you're always safe. And that's the goal here. That's why we want to release ourselves from codependency because when you do, you're brilliant self can truly flourish. Your soul's purpose can truly be realized and expressed. Another visual that I like of taking back our power and bringing our energy back to ourselves is the idea that codependency, I use this with my clients. It's like picture yourself as like an octopus with a bunch of tentacles. And when you're codependent, you're putting out all your tentacles into other people. And you're siphoning and giving all your energy. You're being sucked dry. Like I was saying, you're being sucked dry of all your emotional reserves, your energetic reserves, all of that. You're saying, no, 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 I need to. I'm so afraid of holding and being with my own power. I'm going to just give it all away. And not in a productive way. Like we want, once we are fully grounded and and self realized, we shine like a light, right? But then it's effortless that we give away, that we give, right? Giving out light is effortless. But when you, Intentionally, just siphon your energy that's exhausting and you exhaust yourself. So, taking back your power is like pulling out, pulling those tentacles out, unplugging yourself from other people's emotional bodies and emotional turmoils, and recognizing that you're not the savior of everybody. That you can pull in your power and you can still give somebody love, you can offer love, but you offer it gently, you hand it to them, and you let go because you know that you can't save or fix anybody. That's another core tenet of codependency. You believe that you can save somebody and you put your life's value, you put your worth on saving others. This is a common thing that's seen in people who are in the healthcare industry where they get really tied into the idea of being a savior, like doctors often. You know, it's really hard for them to detach themselves from seeing themselves as somebody who needs to fix and save everybody. Nobody can do that. So we all struggle with this thing. Yet it is in the struggle that our greatest growth and evolution can occur. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're learning here. That's what I want to speak to. That's what I'm on the path towards. That's what I work towards. As I said, not perfectly. Another quote I love. Somebody gave me this a little notebook when I was in high school. This is a dear woman, a mentor of mine who I love deeply. And it said, and it's very apt for me, I, I, I'm a dancer, I danced through high school. And it said, I get up, I walk, I fall down, I get up again. Meanwhile, I keep dancing. And it's that idea of, you know, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, but all the while, keep dancing, keep enjoying this whole crazy thing called life, right? Keep dancing right through it. It's going to be beautiful. It really is. All right, everybody. I hope that was helpful. Have a wonderful day. Take care. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.